You are listening to Oliver Dixon on the Station of the Year. 21 minutes, 22 minutes after 8 a.m. this morning. You're listening to uh, SAFM Sunrise. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, really do appreciate it. Africa's vast underground water resources are under pressure from climate change. Dr. Gathia Mahed, Senior Lecturer and Geohydrologist at the Department of Geosciences, Nelson Mandela University, joins us for this conversation. Dr. Mahad, good morning. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Describe to us the science behind pressures placed on underground water resources by climate change. Morning, Oliver. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good morning. Really appreciate it. Uh, I don't know if you heard my question there, but could you describe to us what some of those pressures oh. are uh, that uh, climate change is placing on our underground water resources? So due to a multiple number of factors, we find that obviously the changing climate affects the volumes of available surface water due to obviously increases in evaporation. You know, we've seen these heat waves across Europe and certain parts of Africa over the past few years. We've experienced a drought here in South Africa in particular. And therefore, you obviously find that there's dwindling surface water supplies. Now, because of that, groundwater becomes what we call the Cinderella of water resources, whereby people feel that they can just drill a well and start pumping. And that in turn plays on the groundwater resources. But what people don't understand is the fact that surface and groundwater resources are actually linked. Because during dry periods, many a times the groundwater feeds the surface water. So by over-pumping our groundwater, we are actually affecting our surface water. And this is sort of how climate change has a direct impact on both aspects of the water resources. Yeah. And, 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 and so there must be a way to safeguard against it. Do we have the right protocols and technologies that can assist us in that? So it becomes a question of, of uh, what we know, what is called integrated water resource management, whereby we look at all our water resources, groundwater, surface water, you know, capturing rainfall, recycling our wastewater, you know, ensuring that that can be reused in some way, managing our water resources effectively by use of you know, judicious uh, management by means of specific technologies, and then ensuring that we do things like this advert you had now recently with Randwater, you know, giving those kind of tips in terms of how the users should sparingly utilize their water resources because there's no one sort of a bullet yeah. for these kind of situations. And we need to explore all opportunities. But with that said, I mean, we cannot copy and paste something that works in another place and then take it and use it here. In South Africa is unique in many ways. I mean, we have specific indigenous knowledge systems, but we also have technology that we've been using and that we have perfected over the years. A good example is something called managed aquifer recharge, which we've been doing as a country for more than 40 years now. And a pilot, our, our perfect example is the Atlantis plant here where they've been injecting wastewater into the ground. So there's different ways of doing it. Just becomes a case of you know what is the environment and what works best. Let's talk about the regulatory environment. What stands in the way of enacting some of these uh, uh, programs and technologies, uh, and what is in the regulatory environment advancing it? So, look specifically when it comes to regulation, we have the National Water Act of 1998, right? 
most probably one of the most complex pieces of water legislation globally. The best, it's been dubbed one of the best. And in certain instances, we find the legislation is a little bit ahead of the science. And I'll give you an example. We're still trying to struggle to determine what exactly is the amount of water that should be left in the environment, be it in surface water or groundwater, which is known as the in-stream flow requirements or the ecological flow requirements. Yeah. Other, other factors that come into play is the fact that the red tape around water user licensing takes quite some time in order to be processed by specific departments. So these kind of things hamper or hinder the development in terms of exploitation or use of the resource. And you will see many consultants and you know certain departments always complain about the processes behind it. So there needs to be ways to kind of help and accelerate or catalyze those processes. There was at one stage done something done by the Department of Water and Sanitation where they said there'll be a 90-day turnaround time or something to that effect in terms of water user licensing. But there is still problems related to that. Yep, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Dr. Maid. Really, really do appreciate it. 27 minutes after 8, Zycon standing by with your sports.